Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, it's Nord Studio Good Ready. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. A lot has kind of happened over the last, I would say, 48 hours. More in. Mostly in just the research I have been doing for the panel I'm doing at MM Milwaukee in. God, now two weeks? It's it's up in two weeks! February is flying by! And I'm only now learning about things like what a condenser does, or what auto-ducking is, all those sorts of things. And of course, some of you who are more knowledgeable in audio than I am are listening to these words I'm saying going... What are you, a moron? How did you not know about that? And, well, yeah, I am a moron. But, um, more importantly, most streamers are not audio engineers. Nor are they video producers or anything of that nature. But the industry is as such for... Twitch streaming or Let's Playing or making YouTube content that you almost have to become your own video producer, your own audio engineer, all of that sort of stuff. Which is why it's kind of difficult to find a beginner's guide. And I think that when the finished guide is done, it's going to be extremely useful. And... I'm not sure if... I mean, it's all going to depend on how the panel goes. But I may end up re-recording that sort of guide into something that is comprehensible as audio only to share with the Eagle Eyes on Tech community that does not watch me on Twitch. I do plan on having the panel recorded and then posted on Twitch. But, of course, uh, I'm not going to be able to live stream it. More than likely. I assume not. Maybe I will. I don't know. I seriously doubt it just because the internet connection you need in order to live stream has to be pretty reliable. And a convention center where thousands of people will be at, pretty sure the internet is going to be garbage. So, more than likely, it's going to have to be recorded rendered, and then posted. But nothing wrong with that. Anyway, let's actually get to what we have to talk about today. First off, I did not broadcast this live. So if you were hoping to find the podcast live, didn't find it live, and thought you missed it, you did not. I did not broadcast it live. The reason being is that I'm having some trouble with my internet connection right now. I'm not even kidding. I think it might be because of the snowstorm that went through. Or it could just be something extremely minor. I'm not sure. I've been futzing with it for the last three hours and can't figure it out. And it's like, I need to get... I need to get the podcast done. Otherwise, it's going to be Monday. It's supposed to be up on the site by noon. And it's not going to be there. So. Yeah. Not only that, but... The number of stories there are that are actually interesting are very few this week. 
it might be a record low, and a past me would have just said, I'm sorry, there's no podcast this week, there's nothing interesting to talk about that isn't political or off-topic. And I've gone off-topic in the past. But there are two stories that must be talked about, and then I'll close up shop with a little bit of my findings for the Twitch panel. First up, we're going to talk about the UK Pornhub story. Oh, Lord. This, this is... Oh, this is just an amazing story for all the wrong reasons. Literally all the wrong reasons. So here's basically the short end of it. The UK has passed a law mandating, requiring all pornographic sites, all sites that that have adult content of any form, anything that is unsuitable for minors, to be able to 100% verify that the viewer is an adult. Okay? And there have been plenty of ways to do this in the past. 100% of them are unreliable. Probably one of the most common ones was collecting credit card info and then not charging it. Which then, let's be honest, um, a, a lot of those really shady sites then sold your credit card info. But then a lot of kids just started BSing the data. They just mash out 16 digits, an expiration date, and a security code, and some of the systems were so stupid it would take it. The ones that wouldn't, well, those were most likely sketch sites anyway that wanted to charge your credit card anyway. Others tried to put it behind a paywall. In which case, a few years down the road, it was very easy to get past this by just getting a $5 gift card on a, on a Visa prepaid card. And just enter that. And boom, you're in. So, now a lot of sites just go, okay, look, just check this box if you're 18 or over. And just pretty much gave up entirely. And of course... Everyone lied about it. Everyone did. So, the way this law is going to work now, though, they are requiring the... Let me see if I can get the exact details real quick. So the article I have here unfortunately doesn't give the exact details of what the law requires... And unfortunately, it's a bit difficult for me to get exactly what is required of the law for for, for it to be, you know, kosher. But basically, the UK versions of any sort of adult content site, this article specifically targets Pornhub, Red, RedTube, Uporn, and Brazzers, all of which owned by one mega company called MindGeek. MindGeek is going to, in order to be kosher with the law, create something called Age ID, which basically requires you to enter in 
address, phone number, and a whole bunch of other information to confirm your age. Alright, so on paper, alright, that, that prevents, uh, that might prevent kids from, uh, from accessing content they shouldn't be able to see. But, uh, there's a couple of problems with this. First off, and the most obvious, is the fact that this gives MindGeek a ton of personal data. They can now prove without a shadow of a doubt that Joe Schmo, who is running for whatever, in fact looked at this weird thing, that weird thing, and the other weird thing. Now, let's assume that that never happens, that the site never goes rogue. The data's still there, though. Even just the existence of the account is evidence enough for blackmail. Now, of course, MindGeek says there's no data risk at all. No, 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 no. Our, our system is rock solid. Name one system that is rock solid, that is truly hack-proof. If you literally said anything, you are either delusional, foolish, have not listened to this podcast enough, or are lying to yourself. No system is unhackable. All systems fail, all systems leak data, it's only a matter of time. That's not even me putting the tinfoil hat on. It's the truth. Heck, a lot of these places that say we're rock solid will never get hacked, turns out they stored all the information in plain text anyway. Yeah. So, MindGeek saying there's no risk should not instill confidence in anyone who knows anything. For starters... Second, how are they going to confirm that that information is real? Here, I'll give you a good one. And and to make this even better, I came up with this in middle school. Name, Bob Boberson. Male, age 26. Lives at 123 Fake Street, Albany, New York, zip code 11111. Phone number, and then make up anything. Pick a Google line. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Unless you dig deep to find out that Bob Boberson doesn't exist, in which you can always dispute that, well, I don't know why I'm not in the system. I just, I don't know. Everything else would check out. There is a 123 Fake Street in Albany, New York. The zip code there is 11111. It's obviously fake info. Everything, Nothing I said is correct. Except for the fact there is an office building 
at 123 Fake Street, and the zip code there is 11111. And it is in Albany, New York. If I didn't say that already, which I'm pretty sure I did. This law is beyond stupid. On top of that, it's... I mean, it's hard for me to say it's poorly written, but it just sounds poorly written. How is an image-sharing site going to be affected like by this? Is the United Kingdom government going to hunt down 4chan now? Because people can share explicit images on there? Are they going to hunt down Discord? Because people can share images on Discord. Are they going to hunt down Skype? Are you going to go after Microsoft for this? Is Microsoft going to be forced to scan all their pictures? It is such a stupid, 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 stupid law that requires the government to do so much oversight over so much of the digital web, it actually is worse than net neutrality. And net neutrality was a giant Bible-sized book of just of watching over everything so that everyone can quote-unquote play fair, even though the only thing it did was stop unlimited data coming from certain cell phone carriers. This, at least on paper, sounds like a good idea until you think about it for more than 30 seconds. And it'd be one thing if it only affected the UK, but let's be perfectly honest for a moment. The moment any government passes a law about regulating their own internet... It has ripple ripple effects, more like tidal wave effects, across the entire planet, except for China. Because, well, th- their internet is surrounded by a firewall, and that's, that's a story for another day entirely. There is a good chance that this law is going to affect the way we view things here in the U.S., And yeah, at first thought, oh, it's just going to affect adult sites. The thing is that the way they're phrasing this, the way that all these places are phrasing this law, which unfortunately I can't find and I feel bad about that, it can affect anything that is a general purpose app. In fact, heck, you think just affecting Discord and Skype is bad? Here's another one for you. This can affect iMessage, too. Yeah, the texting app on your iPhone? That's not a cell thing. That's that's all digital data over the internet. It could regulate that, too. Now, these rules do not go go in effect until April, 
maybe we'll be lucky and uh, maybe April 1st, the United Kingdom Parliament will just go, ha, ah, April Fools, nah, we're, we're not gonna push this law that on paper sounds really good, but the moment you think about it for more than a minute, it just looks like a giant mess. Uh, now, hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe it won't be nearly as bad as I think it is. Maybe there's some huge piece of, of information. Maybe it only is affecting select sites. But that's not the info I'm getting right now. The info I'm getting right now is very vague and can affect everything. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, that's one story. The possibility that the UK Parliament and its silly, silly law might be affecting everything. However, this next one is much more chilling to the average gamer. How, however, fortunately, unlike the Pornhub story, this one is a rumor. I want to stress that. This is a rumor. So there is a chance this isn't true, and I hope it's not true. Because this could be a major shakeup in the way things are done. Although, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing going to be hard to tell. Here's the title, straight from PC perspective. What could possibly go wrong? Microsoft may be looking to buy EA, Valve, and PUBG. Let that one sink in for a minute. <laughs> Now, the story and I both agree, this one needs more than a few grains of salt in order to take in. But the Microsoft Store may be looking at a significant expansion, according to the article. It's... To be looking to buy out EA, Valve, and PUBG. Now, I don't know what PUBG would end up doing, really. I mean, PUBG right now is such a very weird entity. Thank you, phone, for reminding me that it's snowing outside. That was appreciated. The... PUBG, all it is, is just 
the holding company that handles PUBG. Player, players unknown battleground or player unknowns battleground or whatever. I'm not a fan of the game anyway. To be perfectly honest, it's a buggy glitch fest of a mess that unfortunately is very aggressive about other other companies stealing its game model, which unfortunately because Blue Hole Studio made the game is just an absolute glitch fest. That barely works, and when it does work, you feel great, but the moment that that a lag spike happens and kills you, you feel awful and blame your own ability, when in fact the game's just coded poorly. But that's not the important thing. That's just kind of the weird element of it, the fact that PUBG is included in this. Because, I mean, what does that do? That gets Microsoft one game. One game that's starting to die down in popularity, to be perfectly honest. The more interesting thing is EA and Valve. EA, of course, is everyone's most hated, underline hated, publishing company. EA, the publishing company that has produced... Repetitive football titles, taken glorious games like Ultima and Command and Conquer and dragged them down into a hilariously rushed mess of games and ends up killing the franchises as a result. And I could just go on and on and on and on about the various terrible things that EA has done. On top of that, EA also has their own PC launcher called Origin. Which is just yet another game launching app to add to my collection. Valve is much more laid back in the way they run. They actually now produce very few games, but still do. And the way they run their office is basically letting their programmers do what they love and greenlight anything that sounds profitable. Much different from EA that pushes game developers into well, doing what's best for EA. Such as turning Plants vs. Zombies into a pay-to-win style of game disguised as a, as a difficult game where you can buy power-ups. This is also the same model as Candy Crush, by the way. Except the only difference between Plants vs. Zombies 2, which I just described, and Candy Crush, the fact that Candy Crush is actually designed to be impossible. Whereas Plants vs. Zombies 2 just feels impossible. But this would mean that EA and Valve's Game launchers on the PC would now be under Microsoft control. And that actually starts becoming very interesting. Steam already functions very well. Origin... I'll be very honest, I can't speak for Origin. I have no idea how well the Origin system runs. 
Because every time I try to install Origin and create an account for Origin, I find out that the name Eagle Falcon is banned on Origin. And just on those grounds alone, I just flip my keyboard in frustration and uninstall what I already had. So I really have no idea how how good Origin is. Someone else will have to tell me about that. But just to think that those two platforms could be under one umbrella actually could be very beneficial. To have one Microsoft store, which there already is, on the Windows platform and not to worry about having the Microsoft Store, Steam, Origin. I'd still have to have the Twitch launcher, unfortunately. And I'm sure there's 50 other ones I don't remember off the top of my head that may or may not be owned under this umbrella. So this could be very beneficial. But the moment any big company buys another big company, which buys another big company means all sorts of other changes that can lead to the downfall of the collective. Probably the best example in this, in my opinion, is the Squaresoft and Enix merger. Both of which made very good RPGs. But then when they both merged, well the game designs started becoming very questionable at best. And occasionally much, and occasionally very good games came out of it. For example, games like Final Fantasy XII. But then there are other things that were just very questionable as to what the heck was happening. Final Fantasy X-2 being the first that comes to mind. Though, from what I've been hearing from other people, there might be a very interesting hate-filled story behind that as well, which I'd need to do my own research on that, to be perfectly honest. Or things like Final Fantasy XI, a very mediocre MMO, which got some love. And then, of course, there is the Final Fantasy XIII series, which seemed very strange. Or the stagnation of the Dragon Quest lineup, which showed hopes of trying to evolve storytelling as it went on, and then around the time Square Enix happened, just became very stagnant and repetitive, just upping the graphics every so often. It still just kind of blows me away, the multiple stories that were in Dra- Dragon Quest Four, And then you look at the later games, a lot of which were Enix, don't get me wrong but just seemed a lot like redoing the Dragon Quest Three style. Or two, for that fact. Not really evolving a whole lot, you know? How would I get on this? This is almost why I need a producer. <laughs> Regardless. Microsoft buying EA and Valve... Again, it may not happen. I mean, it's a very far-fetched rumor. But if this turns out to be true, this could either be a great godsend or it can be a complete disaster. 
And only time can tell when push comes to shove. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, let's talk a bit about the panel I have coming up at Anime Milwaukee. First off, the schedule has been finalized. I am officially the only Twitch panel at all of Anime Milwaukee. Which is kind of interesting for the fact that this is an anime convention that has a lot of gaming DNA in it because of the fact that Milwaukee was the original home of Gen Con, one of the biggest gaming conventions ever. And as a result, a lot of that DNA, when Gen Con moved out of Milwaukee, kind of moved over to Anime Milwaukee. There are actually there is actually a very huge underlying huge gaming hall brought in and a second one on top of that just for tabletop games. I believe this year the big ballroom at the Hyatt Hotel is being used for tabletop gaming again. And then one of the big ballrooms at the convention center is being used for video gaming alone. Major tournaments are going to be there. And by major tournaments, I mean major games that tournaments are going to be held at. <laughs> Not that, like, big eSport competitions are coming to that. I, no. I, I don't mean it like that. The point is, is that... Gaming is definitely in the DNA of this anime convention, despite the fact that... You would go, anime convention, why the heck are you going to talk about video games there? That's stupid, Eagle. You're stupid. Stop being stupid. No, it actually does make perfect sense. On top of that, I'm going to be one of the very first panelists. It's literally going to go opening ceremonies, then at high noon, my panel and one other panel starts. That's it. Which honestly is a terrible time slot, but, you know, it's both kind of a big deal and kind of a dead slot. It, it's kind of weird, because Saturday's always the big day on a weekend convention. Friday's just kind of the, the opening day, everything's getting kicked off, and at noon, pff, no one's going to be there. Just the diehards who show up, show up for the opening ceremonies. Like like myself. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm excited and yet I'm kind of just meh about it. So, it's, it's a mixed feeling. The thing is, though, is that I have a lot of ground to cover, you know? Because my panel in the end is all about how to get started. In Twitch streaming. And as I opened up with, there is actually a lot to learn. 
it isn't all about just grab a controller, grab your PlayStation, and play games, make money, lol. No. You need to know what you're doing. For starters, commentary is key. If you're just sitting there silently playing a video game and occasionally swearing when you lose, that's nothing. It's all about speaking your mind as you're, as you're overcoming the challenge. The only real streamers that can get away with being relatively quiet are really, really good speedrunners. People who are focusing for an hour solid to go complete a 40-hour game in an hour. Or 40 minutes, depending on the game. Literally the only ones that can get away with being relatively quiet. On top of that, you need to interact with that audience. You need to interact with chat. If you ignore chat, you have no chance. People are just going to go, oh, hey, streamer. And then you just go. And then they'll leave. Why do I want to watch you? You're not even going to acknowledge my existence? Forget you. I'm going to go over to some other guy. <laughs> That's the point. On top of that, with more and more games coming out where you can play with anyone. The Jackbox games are the first to come to mind. Where you can literally grab seven other anyones, or 15 other anyones, who just whip out their smartphone and can play play trivia games with you, or other silly games. They don't even need the game to play with you. And on top of that, quality. Quality of the stream is essential. Being able to broadcast at 720p minimum is crucial. Having a mic that isn't terrible. Because let's be honest, the pinhole mic on your headphones, if you ever listen to yourself through that, (laughs) you'd turn it off and go, oh my god, what have I been doing? You're going to need a good condenser mic. And on top of that, if you're console gaming, you're going to need a good capture card. And no, just using the capture device built into your Xbox One or your PS4 is a really bad idea. Don't do that. Because once again, that's not quality. It's the bare bones minimum. Just being able to go and put your content up on a screen and have your face plaster over in the corner, that's nothing, because people want the interactive elements, such as with the Twitch alerts and whatnot. That's the key. And that's more of what I'm going to be talking about at this panel. Right now, however, I'm still elbow deep into the stuff. I mean, I can guarantee you a few things. After redoing and redoing and redoing my research, best bang for the buck if you want to get get by at the lowest cost, Blue Snowball still is going to be the best condenser mic if you're trying to avoid soundboard, a mixer, or whatever. Just straight USB, that's going to be the best cheap bet. Of course... You're going to be better off with something like what I've got, which is the Blue Yeti. There's plenty of other microphones that are comparable to the Yeti, some of which are better. There's also some cheap kits that that include the sound mixer for 
for a couple hundred that sound top tier. I mean, there's a lot to consider. And I could list off right now what my setup is. It's, you know, there's there's the laptop over there that does all of the encoding and actually pumps out the stream running OBS. That's on a Dell Precision 4800 with a Core i7 quad-core, top-tier stuff for that era, with a mediocre GPU in it, but it gets the job done. I can stream at 1080p, but I don't for good reason. And that reason, of course, being the fact that unless you're a partner, you might not get a priority server in which everyone viewing you has to view it at whatever you're broadcasting at. And if you broadcast at 1080p, 60 frames a second, there's a good chance you're on a phone, you're not going to be able to see that stream. It's just going to be useless. So you want to be down at 720, where just about anyone, even on a cell phone connection, can view you. You are definitely going to want headphones. Alright, I'm using Razer Manowar. It doesn't matter. Just, Just a set of headphones you like. Something that feels comfortable on your head. I probably actually wouldn't recommend these guys... Just because, A, they're expensive, and B, they're so massive, it doubles the size of your head. Camera, I've got some Microsoft thing. It almost doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's good. Green screen, it ain't mandatory. I've got one. Alright. My main gaming rig, it's a HP Z800 I've modified for gaming. With a uh, GTX 780 in it. I can't remember the manufacturer. Capture card, though, is crucial. You can't skimp out on that. You skimp out on the capture card, your content's going to lag behind, and everything's going to be off-sync. You're going to be reacting stuff that the audience isn't going to see until two seconds later. It's not going to look good. You want to have high bandwidth, something that is PCI Express or USB 3.0. The card I'm using, it's an Elgato HD60S. All right? And I use mechanical keyboards. Honestly, I would recommend not doing that. Because let's be perfectly honest. This... doesn't sound good over the mic. It's very clicky. Alright? If you can find a keyboard that feels good and is quiet, that is actually the best. That's kind of the weird thing. Everyone keeps going, oh yeah, use mechanical keyboards. Mechanical keyboards last so long. I don't know, man. I've had plenty of membrane domes that have lasted an eternity, and which are only like 10 or 20 bucks, nearly silent, and honestly would probably be better. The only reason I'm still using this this mechanical keyboard is because, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I am a complete sucker for pretty lights. An absolute sucker for pretty lights. Which is also why my second keyboard for the streaming computer is also mechanical. Because it has pretty lights. It, 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 it's a problem. I'm, I'm fighting the addiction. It's hard. But yeah, that's just the start of what I'm going over. And I still have so much more to do. So with that for now, I leave you with that information. And I kind of hope that 
Well, I hope that after I have the panel done, that you are able to watch it. It will be up on my Twitch Twitch channel, and I'll talk about more when it's actually done and fully up. I haven't even gone into what auto-ducking is, and I just learned about that this weekend! Or what a compressor is, and how you can emulate that effect without the hardware. So much to talk about. Take care, everyone. I'll see you next week. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at eaglefalcontech at gmail.com.